morning. My name is Ryan Johnson. I'm the pastor of Youth and Family Outreach here at Cornerstone. If you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn to the book of 1 Thessalonians, chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. <clears throat> Last spring, we did a uh, sermon series on the Lord's Prayer. And ever since then, I've been structuring my daily prayer time um, using the Lord's Prayer, uh, praying one phrase of the Lord's Prayer, and then filling in with my own <clears throat> thoughts or meditations on that theme. Some of, some of those phrases have been particularly uh, relevant in my life, uh, and, and especially recently, the last phrase, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Glory forever and ever. God is going to be glorified forever and ever, and his people are going to enjoy his glory forever and ever. So as I've been thinking about enjoying God in, in eternal life, enjoying his glory forever and ever, it's been having an impact on the way I live my life. Um, as, I, as I think about eternal life, it makes me not want to sin against the God that I'm going to spend eternity with. Uh, as I think about eternal life, it, um, it kind of takes the edge off of needing to squeeze every last drop of enjoyment out of this one little life. And as I think about eternal life, uh, it makes me want to grow in the relationship with the God that I'm going to spend eternity with. So that's what I want to consider today. I want to just think about living in light of eternity. So I'm going to go ahead and read 1 Thessalonians 5, 1 to 11. <clears throat> now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you. For you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. For you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. Let's pray and ask the Lord to speak to us through his word. God, I do pray that you would comfort our hearts with the hope of heaven and that you would create in us a longing to spend eternity with you where it will be far better. Lord, I pray that we would um, think of you who for the joy set before you endured the cross because you were excited to spend eternity with us. And Lord, I pray that as we think about eternity with you, that it would shape how we live our lives now. Lord, speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, comfort us. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So at our Thanksgiving service, Christy Lardner 
shared about her mom, Alice McDowell. And I was very touched, as I'm sure many of us were if you were here at that time. On our prayer chain, Christy has been sharing about how her mom has been suffering from Parkinson's disease and dementia. And she's also shared about the physical pain that her mom has been suffering um, due to an aggravated uh, bed sore that kept her uh, bedridden. Seeing her mom decline is uh, really painful, obviously, for Christy. It's really painful for Alice's husband, Bill, and it's painful for the whole Lardner family. At our Thanksgiving service, Christy read from Revelation 21 uh, about the comfort that she finds there. She read in part, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. As hard as it is on Christy to see her mom decline, um, she finds comfort knowing that her mom goes to be with Jesus. She finds comfort knowing that her mom will receive a new body with no more pain or suffering. And when I hear that, I, what I hear is Christy's mom rounding the last bend of a four-lap race where she's about to cross the finish line and enter into glory. And when I think of that, I'm reminded that I'm on the same four-lap race. I might be on lap two or three. I might have 30, 40, 50 years left. Um, but the, the race is not that long uh, for any one of us. Uh, it's, it's over quickly. It's only four laps. We, um, my wife and I, we just had our third child, Jonathan Paul Johnson. For him, the gun has just fired. The race has just begun, but it's not that long. Uh, and it will be over quickly for him, too. Life is short, and eternity is long. We should live in light of eternity. But I think that sometimes uh, we live as if this life is all there is. We have uh, so much hope in this life to satisfy us. We get so down and depressed and disappointed when um, this life is, is not satisfying us. Even those of us who are trusting in Jesus Christ forget that he has promised us eternal life in relationship with him. So in this passage, Paul is writing to the Thessalonians to encourage them with the truth that they have eternal life. He writes in uh, verse 2 about the day of the Lord. The Bible teaches that God is not going to allow injustices to just continue on indefinitely. A day is coming called the day of the Lord, when he will put an end to injustice and when he will restore everything to the way it was supposed to be. The Bible teaches that God is not going to allow uh, his people to um, just continue in sin and suffering forever. A day is coming called the day of the Lord, when God will finally save his people once and for all and will never struggle with sin or suffering again. For Christians, for people who are trusting in Jesus Christ, eternal life begins either at the day of the Lord when Christ returns or at our deaths, whichever comes first. So we should live in light of eternity. We should live in light of eternity by living to honor Christ. So in, in verses 4 to 8, Paul is developing some themes that honestly are a little bit complex and um, also involve some word plays. 
but he's developing th these themes of light and dark, day and night, um, being awake, being asleep, uh, being sober and getting drunk. He's saying that Christians are not in the dark about um, what's coming. We know that Christ will return. We know that he is going to give us eternal life. And so since we're not in the dark, um, we shouldn't uh, fall asleep we sh and we shouldn't do nighttime activities like getting drunk. Um, but rather, since we are children of the light, children of the day, we should do what's appropriate for the daytime. We should uh, stay awake and stay sober. So first, uh, we need to live to honor Christ by staying awake. Back in my uh, serious running days, which did exist, I uh, was uh, once running in a race, and uh, you know, as the race went on, it was a longer race, as the race went on, I started to get tired, I started to um, kind of settle into a, a more comfortable pace, I stopped passing people. Uh, as I ran past my coach, he said, okay, Ryan, you fell asleep, time to wake up, go! And I was like, oh yeah, I'm in a race, I gotta, I gotta press the pace, I gotta um, pass people, so I woke up and kept going. Um, so my question is, if you are a Christian, what makes you fall asleep in the Christian life? What makes you forget that you have eternal life and start living as if this life is all there is? Maybe for some of us, it's doubts. Um, doubts about the Christian faith that lead us to fall asleep. Um, maybe, you know, like you, you, you read that we have eternal life and that sounds amazing, but it's hard to imagine and... Uh, and maybe you just got some doubt about it. Maybe you want to hedge your bets a little bit. And um, like, that's probably true, but let me also just make sure that I have a really good life here. Um, but as the doubts creep in, it can make us fall asleep in the Christian life. Uh, we start living as if this life is all there is, and we stop honoring Christ in all we do. So we need to stay awake by clinging to the truth we know. If there were no eternal life, I'm pretty sure that your life is meaningless. If there were no eternal life, then we will all be dead probably within 100 years. And if that's the end, then it's really hard for me to see why it matters what you do or don't do in the life that you have. Um, you could choose to live your life in order to make things better for the next generation, but they'll be dead soon too. And so it's hard for me to see how that's significant either. Um, fast forward five billion years, pretty soon the sun is going to become a red giant and burn up the earth. Fast forward a little longer, our universe is going to keep spreading out, go through heat death, and life will be impossible in this universe. If there is no eternal life, it's really hard for me to see how your life is not meaningless. But our lives do have meaning because we have eternal life. Um, God has promised us eternal life. He is faithful and trustworthy, and we can trust him. Um, also, Jesus has proven that we have eternal life by raising from the dead. If God is able to raise Jesus from the dead, he's able to give you eternal life as well. Our high school Sunday school class just spent the entire fall building a case for the truth of Christianity. I am convinced that the, the case for Christianity is extremely strong. Um, so if you have, you know, legitimate doubts uh, that, that you wrestle with or are concerned about, I would encourage you to write them down and then meet with me or Walt or Day or one of our elders and work through your doubts because the case for Christianity is incredibly strong. 
don't let a general haze of doubt make you fall asleep in the Christian life. I, I think that doubt sometimes is like being washed downstream in eight inches of gently flowing water. All you have to do is stand up. Just uh, cling to the truth you know. As verse 8 says, put on the breastplate of faith. Believe what you believe. Act on what you believe. Don't let doubts make you fall asleep in the Christian life. Stay awake by clinging to the truth you know. I think others of us uh, fall asleep in the Christian life when we get beaten down by the stresses and the busyness and the pain of life. So we just kind of like put our heads down and just kind of get through the day. We need to stay awake by reminding ourselves of the eternal hope that we have in Christ. Verse uh, 8 says that we can put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. And this hope is not like, uh, like a wishful hope, like, I hope I win the lottery. Um, this is a sure and confident hope based on what God, the, the faithful God, has promised to us. So put on the helmet of the hope of salvation. If your baby has been crying for hours, um, remind yourself that you have an eternity of peace ahead of you. <laughs> yes, I do speak from personal experience. Um, if your body is sick or in pain, remind yourself that you have an eternity without pain or suffering ahead of you. If you are crushed with loneliness, remind yourself that you have an eternity of relationships ahead of you with God and with all of God's people. So in the stresses and busyness of life, just like wake up. Remember that um, this, this hope of salvation that God has promised to you. We need to live to honor Christ by staying awake. And we need to live to honor Christ by staying sober. So the, the point has nothing to do with alcohol, although the, um, obviously the Bible does teach us that we should be literally sober instead of literally drunk. But the, the, that's not the point here. Paul is still working with these themes that he's developing of light and dark, day and night, awake and asleep, um, sober and drunk. Um, his point, again, is that when it's light out during the day, people tend to stay awake and sober. Um, but when it's dark out during the night, people tend to um, fall asleep or do nighttime activities like getting drunk. So my question, you know, once, once you've fallen asleep in the Christian life, um, once we've forgotten that we have eternal life, once we start living as if this life is all there is, once, once, we, um, once we fall asleep, we act inappropriately like it's under the cover of darkness. We act inappropriately and get drunk. I think we're like Frodo in the Lord of the Rings. He carried the ring of power through all the dangers of Middle-earth. He left the comfort of the Shire. Uh, he braved ring wraiths. He braved, uh, braved orcs, um, all so that he could go and take the ring of power and destroy it in the fires of Mount Doom. But then when he finally got there, after going through all of this to do his mission, he finally gets to Mount Doom, and he falls asleep. He forgets what he's doing. After, after all this that he's just gone through, he forgot what it was all about. He fell asleep. He acted inappropriately. And he says, I'm going to take the ring for myself. I'm gonna, um, he, when he fell asleep, he grasped for power for himself. So my question is, when you fall asleep in the Christian life, what do you grasp for? What drunkenness do you go for? 
Maybe you grasp for um, financial security. Maybe you, maybe you grasp for just your comforts or pleasures. Maybe you grasp for a carton of ice cream. Maybe you grasp for Netflix. Maybe you grasp for pornography. Maybe you, I don't know what, you know, but once you've fallen asleep in the Christian life, that's when we start to act inappropriately. That's when we start to act out in drunkenness. Instead, we need to stay awake and stay sober. We need to remember that we have eternal life. We need to act appropriately as in the daytime, honoring Christ in everything we do. So the other day, I, uh, I went to get our uh, Walmart pickup, and uh, I sat there for over an hour waiting for the, the order to come out. So I've since learned that was our fault, not Walmart's fault. We, we never checked in. Uh, so, yep. But uh, there's a number on the little sign, you know? So I called that number multiple times saying, you know, I'm here to get our Walmart pickup. And every time they said, okay, we'll have it right out. You know, there are people walking by in vests. So I had my window down and I was like, hey, could you get me this order? And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll have it out in just one second. As the time kept going by, over an hour, uh, I started to think, you know, I could have gone in and gotten it myself by now. Uh, I probably could have gotten it two or three times by now. And I started to get a little irritated. And when the order finally came out, I let the Walmart employee feel my irritation a little bit. And uh, thankfully, God, um, you know, pricked my conscience immediately and before the interaction was over, I, you know, apologized, and I think the, the Walmart employee accepted my apology. But, but my point is, it already doesn't matter that I lost an hour of my life, you know? Um, I can't even remember what day that was. I can't remember what it impacted. It, it already doesn't matter that I lost an hour of my life. But it still matters that I'm the kind of person that thinks that my time is so important that I'll get angry if I feel like my time is being wasted. And it still matters that I will um, let a Walmart employee who's doing his best taste a little bit of my anger. Um, in a million years, once I've been enjoying eternity for almost a million years, it definitely won't matter that I lost an hour of my life on Walmart pickup. But it will still matter if I'm the kind of person that honored Christ in the details of my life. So let's live to honor Christ by staying sober. A million years from now, once you've been enjoying eternity for almost a million years, I don't think it will matter very much how much money you had in your life. But it will still matter whether you loved Christ more than you loved money and whether you used your money to honor Christ. After you've been enjoying eternity for almost a million years, it won't matter very much whether you got a promotion at work. But it will still matter why you did your job, whether you did it to honor Christ or whether you did it to impress people or, um, or get approval or whatever. Many examples, but stay awake in the Christian life. Stay sober. We need to live in light of eternity by living to honor Christ. We also need to live in light of eternity by giving Christ-centered encouragement to others. You know that you are prone to falling asleep in the Christian life. And you know <clears throat> what kind of drunkenness you give into or reach for whenever you fall asleep. Everyone else is the same. <laughs> Everyone else is prone to falling asleep in the Christian life too. 
And everyone else is then tempted to reach for drunkenness when they do. So we need to encourage Christians to live in light of eternity. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up. The people around you, like what will matter about them in a million years? Obviously, their stuff won't matter very much. You know, it won't matter what car they drove or where they lived or what clothes they wore. I don't think it'll matter very much what they did, like where they worked or, um, you know, different activities of their day or life. Um, I'm, I, I think even our sufferings will look different after a million years of eternity. Um, you know, our, our health, our conflicts that we go through, our needs, all that will look different a million years from now. It's obviously good to care about these things. God cares about us. He cares about all the things in our lives. And in order to care well for each other, we need to ask about what's going on in each other's lives and care. And, um, but, like, what will really matter about these people in a million years? I think in a million years, what will really matter is how is your relationship with Christ going? How, how is that relationship impacting the rest of your life? Are, are you living to honor Christ in the details of your life? Um, are you, is, is the loving relationship that you have with Christ leading you to love and serve others around you? That's the kind of thing that will matter in the people around you in a million years. So when we talk with people, like, do we open up about ourselves, uh, about the things that will really matter about us in a million years? Do we, uh, do we open up about how our relationship with Christ is going? Do we open up about, um, you know, where we're doing well or maybe not as well at uh, living to honor him in our lives? Do we open up about what sins or idols that we're struggling with in, in our Christian lives? Um, and then when we, ask, when we talk to other people, do we ask about those kinds of things? Do we care about those kinds of things? Are we pursuing people to, to know at a deeper level? How are they really doing in the areas that will really matter? Let's not you know, as a church, let's not look at each other as judges. Um, if we look at each other as judges, we'll be trying to kind of like subtly impress each other with how we're doing, um, or we'll be afraid of each other and we'll hide and draw back. Um, let's not think of each other as judges. There's only one judge, uh, and we're all hoping in the same Savior. So rather than thinking about each other as judges, <clears throat> let's, let's think about each other as brothers and sisters, and let's encourage each other um, to live in light of eternity. So who, who knows you well enough to really encourage you where you're really struggling? And who do you know well enough that you can really encourage them where they're really struggling? Verse 11 says to encourage one another just as you are doing. So I'm not trying to say we're a zero out of ten on this. I'm just trying to say as a church, let's just be a place where it's safe to open up about how we're actually doing Let's care about how people are actually doing, and let's encourage each other to live in light of eternity. We also need to encourage non-Christians to live in light of eternity. In verse 3, to me it sounds like non-Christians are like inside of a snow globe that is falling and about to hit concrete. Inside, there is peace and security. All is calm they look around, snow covers the ground. They're safe and secure inside the little house. But they don't realize that the sudden destruction is coming. If you're not yet a Christian, know that there is a God who loves you enough to catch you before you hit the ground. 
I, I became a Christian in college. I know that, um, you know, becoming a Christian or starting to take Jesus seriously, um, you know, upends a life. <laughs> uh, you know, if, but if you catch a snow globe before it hits the ground, it's, you know, a, a calm snow globe is suddenly, there's snow going to be flying everywhere, you know, but it's better than crashing. So if you're not yet a Christian, just realize that there is a God who loves you enough to catch you and, uh, con- and consider, decide to, uh, to investigate. If you are a Christian, just a reminder that that is the situation for non-Christians all around the world, inside of a snow globe about to hit the ground. So don't, you know, look inside of their snow globe and, and feel envy about how much peace and security there is in there. And don't, like, spend all of your time and energy trying to improve the peace and security inside of your snow globe. Like, realize the situation um, and, and pray for non-Christians, develop relationships, point them to Christ, encourage them to live in light of eternity. Uh, we need to live in light of eternity by giving Christ-centered encouragement. Finally, we need to live in light of eternity by growing our relationships with Christ. Eternal life will be awesome obviously. There will be no more suffering. There will be no more sickness, no more soreness, no more medical tests or medicine or or procedures, um, no more diagnoses. There will be no more uh, broken relationships. There will be no heartbreak, no more sadness, no more tears. There will be no more death or grief or loss. There will be no more sin. Um, If you have ever tried not to sin, you know the strength of temptation. Uh, You know the guilt of giving in. You know the shame of knowing that you have failed. And you know the consequences to your life and your relationships. And all of that will be gone. No more temptation, no more guilt, no more shame. No No more war, no more poverty, no more injustice. All of creation will be restored. I think creation is awesome. So it's hard for me to imagine how it will be when the marks of the fall are gone. But I trust that um, even creation itself will be restored in ways that we can't even now imagine. We'll be with all of our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, from every tribe and tongue and nation, a great multitude that no one can number forever. So eternal life will be awesome for lots of reasons, obviously. But if that's all there was, I think it would be like saying that marriage is awesome because I have a house and good meals and a good stable life, you know, which would be really sad for my wife. (laughs) Well, marriage is awesome because of my friend, Marcelina, um, that I get to know and love and do do life with. Um, And then in the same way, eternal life will be awesome because of the person that we will know and love and do life with. Eternal life is about being with Jesus. Verse 10 says that Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. And I think that uh, that being with Jesus will be better than you can now imagine, better than I can now imagine. Uh, in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 3.8 says that Adam and Eve, you know, it implies that Je- Adam and Eve walked with God in the in the garden in the cool of the day. They walked with God. They talked with God. I think that they had a relationship with God at a level that we can probably not now imagine. Then they sinned against God, and relationship with God was broken. Um, They were kicked out of the garden. 
Then God in his grace sent Jesus to reconcile us to himself. And if you're trusting in Christ, your relationship with Christ has been restored. And you do have some experience of connecting with God. But I think it's still only a small taste of what it will be like in eternity. 1 Corinthians 13, 12 says, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know Jesus in part. Then I shall know him fully, even as I have been fully known by him. In eternity, we will finally have the relationship with Christ that we were made for. Some of the happiest moments of my life uh, were when our children were born. So, uh, like, I expected marriage to be awesome, and it is. So, you know, no surprise. Um, I did not know how awesome it was going to be to be a dad. That caught me off guard. Um, so when our babies were born, I felt a euphoria that I did not expect. <laughs> um, I found myself, like, laughing and crying at the same time. And, uh, and it was a very precious moment with Marcelina and with our, our kids. Um, I think that when we see Jesus, it will be like that, except times a billion. I think that we will be restored such that we will... I mean, right now, I think that if we experience joy like that, it would just kill us. I think when we're restored, um, that we will have the ability to appreciate and tolerate a joy that we cannot now imagine. Um, And so when we see Jesus, I think it will be better than we can now imagine. Eternal life is about being with Jesus. So this life is about being with Jesus too. Uh, Verse 10 says that Jesus died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Christians are going to be with Jesus forever, so we should be with him now. I think it is insane when people prepare for marriage by having like a traditional bachelor party or bachelorette party uh, where they do things that undermine the relationship that they're about to enter into. I think that's insanity. Um, We are going to spend eternity with Jesus I think it's insanity for us to spend our lives here giving our hearts to other things that are not Jesus and pursuing other lovers. Eternal life is about being with Jesus. So be with Jesus now. Pursue him. Know him. Love him. Get to know him in his word. Spend time with him. Serve him. He's the one you're going to be with forever. Develop your relationship with him. We, we can't do that without reading the Bible and praying. So I think you should read the Bible and pray, um, but not just as like um, a, uh, a discipline, although obviously it's a good discipline, but like that's the way that God has given us to develop a relationship with him. So read the Bible and pray, um, but do it so that you can know Jesus, the one that you're going to spend eternity with. So live in light of eternity by growing your relationship with Christ. When God promises us eternal life, What he means, obviously, is life that is eternal. Uh, Eternal life is a joyful relationship with God that continues forever and ever and ever. God is eternal. He has always existed. Um, When we have eternal life, we will be with him forever. It's really obvious. Uh, But it's hard to grasp, especially when life is hard, uh, when your day is hard, when you're in pain. It's really hard to grasp that you're going to have a joyful relationship with Christ forever. That's really hard to grasp. Um, So I invite you to think that about this uh, grain of sand as your entire lifespan, birth to death. 
And this is what it will be like after you have lived just as long in heaven as you have on earth. And this is what it will be like when you have lived twice as long in heaven as you did on earth. And this is three times. And then it goes on and on and on and on forever. Or imagine that this is your entire lifespan, one drop of water. Then eternal life is this or this. So don't live for this or this. Don't worry about, you know, squeezing every single last drop of enjoyment out of this life that you possibly can. Don't get, like, depressed and, um, you know, just crushed when life is not satisfying you as deeply as you want to. God has promised that you that you're going to spend eternity with him. So don't live for this or this. Live for this and this. Let's live in light of eternity. Let's pray. God, I pray that you would stir our hearts. Help us to rest our hearts in you, in the faithfulness of your promise. Jesus, thank you for your incredible love for us, that you would do what was necessary so that we can be with you forever. Lord, it will be far better. So Lord, help us to, with that in mind, live faithfully for you in our lives, and, and help us just rejoice knowing that we will spend eternity with you. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.